Hello, welcome to TanakhStudy.com. I'm Yael Ziegler, and today we're going to be finishing up Parshat Vaira. We're beginning with Perak Tet Pasuka Aleph, which is the fifth plague, the plague of Dever. It's also the second plague in the second series, as in Adash, uh, Arov, Dever, and Shechin. We've already mentioned that the second plague is always begins with the words Bo El Paro, where Moshe comes into Paro, presumably into his palace. Vayomer Adonai el Moshe, bo el paro, vidibarta elav, ko amar Adonai elohe ha'ivrim, shalach et ami v'yavduni. And God said to Moshe, come into paro and speak to him, saying, so says God, the God of the Hebrews, send my people so that they will serve me. So this is very classic formulaic language. The only, uh, the only I think, uh, peculiarity or, or distinction here is the word vidibarta. Vidibarta is not the word that is usually used when God says Moshe, sends Moshe to Paro and tells him to speak to him. Usually the word that is used is the word vi'amarta. The Nitziv notes this and, and actually says, well, vidibarta is stronger language. And this is a very... Uh, this is a very strong plague. This is a plague of death. Um, I would suggest something else, and that is that perhaps the word vidibarta here is also a wordplay with the name of the plague, which is dever. We haven't yet seen that, but we're going to see several wordplays in this rather short description of the plague of pestilence, of the plague of dever. Pasuk bed, ki ma'ein for if you refuse to send the odecha machazik bam, and you continue to hold on to them, hine yad Adonai hoya b'miknecha asher basadeh, the hand of God, behold, will be upon your cattle that is in the field, basusim b'chamorim b'gimalim b'bakar uvatzon dever kaved meod. Uh, against the horses and against the donkeys and against the camels and against the cattle and against the sheep, a very strong pestilence. Uh, so here we're told what is going to happen to Paro if, in fact, he again refuses to send Am Israel out of Egypt in order to serve God. And here we're told, Yad Hashem, the hand of God that word contains all of the letters of Shem Havaya, Hey Vav Yud Hey, obviously a bit in a different order. And I think it's designed to draw attention to the fact that this plague is brought by the hand of God, just as is the final plague. The fifth plague and the tenth plague are both are both brought by the hand of God. This is because both of these plagues involve death, and they seem to function as a climax to, uh, to, to the first group and the second group of the plagues. We've talked several times about the plagues being divided into three groups of three, and then Makat Becharot, the final plague, seems to exist in its own kind of uh, category. Another way to divide these plagues, which are ten in number, is the same way that we divide the Ten Commandments, which if you know anybody who's ever seen a picture of the Ten Commandments knows that we often put them in two groups of five. One could do the same thing with the plague narrative, in which case the first group ends with dever, which is death to the animals, brought about by the hand of God. And the second group ends with makat becharot, where again we see the full weight of God's power being brought against the Egyptians themselves 
who who uh, who die in that plague. Um, in this plague, even though it, it does not explicitly mention the death of any Egyptians, Dever, the plague of pestilence, is a common uh, um, a common punishment in Tanakh. We see it in several places. And um, it's often used against people. And we're going to see a little bit later in this shiur that, in fact, the plague of Dever, in which animals become very ill, and we know that that kind of illness can easily mutate mutate into some sort of, um, of illness for humans, um, that the plague of Dever is meant to threaten Paro. Paro is meant to feel, well, easily that plague of pestilence could be turned against me and my people. So even though this plague seems to be directed against the animals, it contains within an implicit threat against the people. And so there is, there does certainly seem to be a connection between Dever and Makat Bechorot, the two plagues of death that are brought by God. Uh, and of course, again, the Makat Bechorot, the death of the firstborn, also involves the animals. Um, in this plague, in Pasuk Dalid, we're told once again that God makes a distinction between Yisrael uh, and the Egyptians, and God distinguished between the cattle of Yisrael and the cattle of Mitzrayim, and from all of the children of Israel, not one thing died. Look at the word davar, not one thing, davar, dever. I mentioned that this very short section is filled with some word plays on the word dever, which means pestilence. And God made a time for this saying, tomorrow God will do this thing, in the land. Again, there's that word dever. We've had this idea that God will set a time within which he will bring about the plague, or sometimes the opposite, within which he will take away the plague. We had the word machar in the plague of, of frogs when God took made a time for uh, removing the plague. And we also had the word machar uh, in the taking away of the arov in the previous plague. Uh, part of the time frame is, again, establishing that God is in control of this plague and it's not just something that coincidentally happened in the land. Um, Pasuk, uh, Pasuk Vav is, in fact, the implementation of this plague. God did this thing the next day. And all of the cattle of Egypt died. And from the cattle of the children of Israel, not even one died. The miracle here, of course, is very significant given how easily a plague, a pestilence, spreads from one animal to another, the fact that there is this distinction, this sort of sharp distinction that has been made between the cattle of the Egyptians and the cattle of Israel indicates its miraculous nature. This is certainly something that generally can't be controlled. Pasuk Zayin, Vayishlach, Paro, Vihine lo meit mimikne Israel ad echad, and Paro sent, and behold, not even one of the cattle of Israel died, and Paro's heart hardened his heart, and he did not send out the people. The question is, is what is the connection between Paro sending and recognizing the, that God distinguishes here between the Egyptians and the, and the Israelites? 
Um, and, and the fact that he doesn't change his mind, that he hardens his heart. Does he not change his mind despite the sweeping evidence that God has brought about this distinction and this plague against the Egyptians or because of something which he saw there? Well, the Mepharshim, the, the commentators are somewhat divided on this issue. The Nitziv explains that this is because uh, um, uh, the, uh, Israel's, the Israelites and the Egyptians shared some cattle. And so when Paro saw that some of the cattle of that belong at least uh, halfway to the Egyptians didn't die, he was not convinced that this was a plague that was brought against the Egyptians. Again, that makes certain assumptions that are midrashic assumptions that there were jointly owned cattle. I'm not going to go into that for the moment. But others um, explain, such as the Dat Mikra, that in fact Paro just figured out a way to explain it all. After all, Dever is in fact a plague, a pestilence, an illness that often does come upon the land, and therefore Paro was not convinced. Another possibility is that uh, recognizing God's power does not take away Paro's resolve, but only strengthens his resolve. And once again, there are different ways of explaining this. But in any case, what we do see is that this plague shows us Paro's intransigence. It shows us Paro's stubbornness, and it leads us to the next plague in which Paro will not get a choice and God will harden Paro's heart. We're now going to turn to the next plague, and that is the plague of Shechin. is both the first plague of this second series of plagues. It's plague number six. It opens our second section. We're going to see that in a moment. And it's also the third plague of Adash, which is in the division of uh, three, three plagues, um, three series of three plagues. It's the third plague. It's the last plague in the second series. Um, now, as as we will, as we've already seen, the third plague of each series comes without a warning. So this plague as well comes without a warning. Let's look in Parakhet Pasukhet. Vayomer Adonai El Moshe veEl Aharon Kechulachem Malei Melo Chufnechem Piach Kivshan Uzrako Moshe Hashamayma LeEnei Faro. And God said to Moshe and to Aharon, Take for yourselves Handful, ha handfuls of uh, soot from the kiln, and Moshe should throw it heavenward in front of Paro. So there are certain aspects of this plague which, again, suggest an opening plague, uh, just like Dam, the plague of blood, opened the first series. Here we have both Moshe and Aharon's presence, and we have the words Le'ene Paro in front of Paro. That reminds us also of the first plague. Um, and also, we're going to see in a moment, the Khartoumim, these magicians, are going to reappear in this plague. So this plague seems to have to involve some sort of formal opening um, of this second series. And what God says to Moshe and to Aaron is to take handfuls of soot and Moshe should throw them heavenward in front of Paro. And it should become fine dust. Upon all of the land of Egypt, the Haya al Haadam, the Al Habeima, Lishrin Poreach Avabuot, Bechol Eretz Mitzrayim. It should fall on the humans and on the animals, and it should become an inflammation that breaks out as boils in all of the land of Egypt. And so, as is characteristic of this third plague, 
It's on the body of the person and on the body of the animal. In fact, this same phrase, uh, al ha'adam, uh, the al ha'behema, or something very similar, ba'adam uva behema, we had with kinim, we had with the plague of lice. It was very much on the individual, on the, the body. And here, um, uh, the, the description of boils recalls that description of lice. Um, and it will, it will break out as this inflammation of boils on all humans and all beasts. And in fact, this is what Moshe and Aharon are going to do. Of course, Moshe is the primary actor here. The very fact of Aharon being mentioned, again, as I said before, I think it indicates, uh, first of all, the fact that we have this sort of formal opening in which all of the parties come together and Moshe and Aharon cooperate together to bring about the plague. But Moshe is, Moshe is the primary actor here. And they together take the handfuls of soot and they stand before Pharaoh. Moshe throws it heavenward. And it becomes this inflammation that breaks out as boils upon humans and upon animals. And the magicians could not stand before Moshe because of the boils, because the boils were upon the magicians and upon all of Egypt. This also reminds us of the plague of lice, where we had the, Egypt, the, the magicians' failure. And this is our final appearance of the magicians. And here what we see is an utter collapse of the power of the magicians. Perhaps that's another reason that we have our own Aaron's appearance here. We've already noted that perhaps Aaron is um, is the counterpart of the Egyptians. He's there to show the Egyptians, uh, I'm sorry, the magicians, the magicians that they have no power. Whereas Moshe functions to some degree, perhaps as the counterpart of Paro. Here, where we have the final collapse of the power of the magicians, they're never again going to reappear in our story. Aaron uh, reappears uh, in order to show, in order to symbolize. Uh, this utter collapse in Pasuk Yudbet, Ve'chazek Adonai et Leiv Paro, Ve'lo Shama Alehem Kasher Diber Adonai El Moshe. And God strengthened the heart of Paro, and he did not listen to them, just as God had said to Moshe, God had said to Moshe that he himself is going to, to harden Paro's heart, so that Paro will not send the people out, so that God can continue to to bring these plagues and these signs upon Egypt, so that they can learn, so that they can acknowledge God's power. This is the first time that we have God intervening to harden Paro's heart in the story. It's going to come up again in a few more plagues, not in the next one, in the plague of hail. Actually, Paro's going to harden his own part. But this is, in fact, the first time that we see this idea, uh, which, which God had already told Moshe was going to happen back in Perak Zion. This is, in fact, one of the factors that characterizes the second set of plagues. As I said, aside from Barad, where Paro hardens his own heart, in all of the second set of plagues, God hardens Paro's heart. The other, I think, transition that we have here between the first set of plagues and the second set of plagues is that until now, the plagues have been on earth. Uh, they've been plagues that plagued the Yeor, the Nile, the dust. The animals that were al ha'adama, there was a certain kind of upward 
movement with the plagues. They start all the way down in the Nile and they move up towards the earth. And now they're going to move up heavenward. And in fact, one might even suggest that this plague may actually be uh, designed as a transitional plague, one that transitions us from the plagues on the earth to the plagues in heaven, because of course Moshe takes this soot from the kiln and he tosses it heavenward. And then of course the uh, dust comes down and settles on the Egyptians. And afterwards, of course, we're going to have hail, uh, which is going to be from heaven. And we're going to have the locusts, which are going to fly you know, and, and cover the sun. And we're going to have the plague of darkness. And these are all plagues that seem to come from Shemaim. Now, this sort of movement from down below upward, I think, is important in understanding how these plagues function, uh, partially because the Egyptians uh, really regarded uh, in their sort of you know, pantheistic kind of theology, regarded um, uh, deities, different deities, as having jurisdiction over many different aspects of life. So there's the god of the Nile, and there's the god of of um, of the fields, and there's the god of the crops, and the god of the rain. And so here, this idea that we show God's power from the very depths of the earth all the way as it moves upward shows that, that God's power is comprehensive. And this, of course, flies in the face of the way in which the Egyptians regard their deities. And so here again, we have this, um, this, this approach that understands that these plagues are also doing battle with the Egyptians' gods. They're also doing battle with the Egyptians' theology. Uvelohei Mitzrayim Shvatim, says God. I will uh, do judgments upon the gods of Egypt. And that's part of what I think we see here in this uh, transition, in this movement from down below to up above that takes place here uh, in, in this particular plague. Now let's turn our attention to Makat Barad, our seventh plague. And the one that actually closes this parashat is a very long plague. It's a very long description. In general, this also, I mean, we also have to note that this plague opens the third group of three groups of three plagues, Yatzach, Adash, Be'acha, that means that Barad opens this uh, grouping of Barad, Arbe, and Choshech. Uh, I'll say a couple things about this final group. This final group is a uh, much longer and more complex uh, group of plagues. Each of the plagues that is described is described in greater detail. In each plague in the third grouping, there's a dialogue between Moshe and Paro, in which Paro does seem to try to accommodate Moshe's demands. There is a sort of a, a dramatic increase in tension as Paro begins to get the picture, uh, and he begins to start feeling threatened. We're going to see also that these plagues do, in fact, threaten Paro, and Paro is going to slowly but surely seem to um, to. to come to, to terms with the fact that he is um, going to have to send out Israel and, um, and, and obey God. Um, but that we'll see as we progress through the section. Um, the other point that I wanted to make here is that this plague, which is the seventh plague, also seems to be somewhat of a climactic plague. We're going to see in a moment that in the introduction to Barad, from Pasuk Yud Gimel through Pasuk Yud Zayin, we get a sense that it seems to be somewhat of an ending. And I think there is another indication that what we have here is some sort of climactic, uh, almost what seems to be an end to the plague story. 
and that is the division of the Parshiot. This, as we know, is going, this plague is going to end our Parsha, Parshat Vaira. Uh, it's definitely something that is worth noting, given that, of course, when the Parshiot were being divided, uh, they certainly could have put all ten plagues in one parsha, it actually would seem to be logical to put all of the ten parshiot into one parsha. This could have been done, and yet the division of the parshiot uh, does not uh, does not divide itself in that way. In fact, in parshat veira we have seven makot, and in parshat bo we have the final three makot. And the question really is why? Right? Why was this decided? And I think that we're, we're going to try to answer it as we uh, as we we learn together. Parshat Makat Bara, the plague of hail. But again, I think it does cohere with the sense that the plague of hail does represent some sort of ending. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Let's begin with Perktet Pasuk Yudgimel. Vayomer Adonai El Moshe, Hashkem Baboker, Vityatsev Lifnei Faro, Veamartai Lav, Koamar Adonai Elohe Haivrim, Shalach et Ami, Veyavduni. And God said to Moshe, Get up in the morning and stand before Paro and say to him, So says God, the God of the Hebrews, send my nation so that they will serve me. This is, of course, the third plague where we have this uh, element of the morning. And all it, it, it's what we find in all of the first plagues of those three groupings. In Dam, we have uh, Moshe uh, being told to go out to Paro Baboker in the morning. And in the beginning of Arov, we are told that God says to Moshe, Hashkein Baboker, get up in the morning. And here, once again, in Barad, we're told, get up in the morning. The other two plagues, we're told to stay, uh, that Moshe is told to go and meet Paro next to the water. Here, we're not told that he's, to, uh, we're, not, we're not given that piece of information. And yet, some of the commentators have noted that this is a plague of water. It's a plague of uh, hail. So perhaps that also lends itself to connecting to those other two plagues, Dam and Arov, in which the warning is given to Paro next to the river, next to the Nile, next to the water. Uh, let's look in Pasuk Yudalid. Look at what God tells Moshe about this plague. God says, Ki bapam hazot, ani sholech et kol magifotai el libcha. God says, for this time, I am going to send all of my plagues into your heart and against your servants and against your people so that you will know that there is none like me in all the land. So here again, some of the, uh, all of the commentators or many of the commentators here ask, what does this mean? I'm going to send kol magifotai, I'm going to send all of my plagues. And different uh, interpreters go in different directions. The Ibn Ezra and Rashbam do note that this is a combination of different elements that are struck in God's plague. There's lightning, which is you know, fire. There's water. There's wind. Uh, other, other interpreters uh, note that, in fact, kol magifotai, all of my plagues, may be an indication of the direction in which the plague goes. It not only strikes um, uh, the trees, it not only strikes the vegetation, it also strikes the animals and it also strikes the humans, right? That's what Rabbeinu Bechai suggests, that this plague, it simply comes upon everything. And that's what's meant here by 
call magefotai. In any case, also we have this idea that these plagues are this plague is meant to penetrate Paro's heart, and in fact, it, this one does right. This is the plague in which Paro actually does admit. We're going to see later in pasuk kavzayin, Hashem hatzadik vaani veami harishaim. God is the righteous one, and I and my people are the evil ones. So, in fact, we do see that this plague seems to strike Paro's heart. And as we had in the plague of Dam, in the plague of blood, and in the plague of Arov, here also we get a clause which explains that this grouping is in order that people should have knowledge. Uh, if in the first plague um, of, of blood, God says, With this you will know that I am God. And the first plague of the second group, God says to Paro, um, So that you will know that I am God in the midst of the land. In this one, um, uh, God says, So that you will know that there is none uh, like me in all the land. And the Abarbanel explains that each grouping is designed to bring about a different aspect of knowledge of God. In any case, though, we have this sense that this is a climactic and important plague. And in fact, God says in Pasuk Tetvav, Ki ata shalachti et yadi ve'ach utcha ve'et amacha badaver v'tikachid min ha'aretz. For now, I could have sent my hand and struck you and your people with the plague of pestilence, and you would have been extinguished from the land. And yet, says God, it is for this reason that I kept you standing, in order so that I can show you my power and in order so that you will tell of my name in all of the land. And so there is uh, certainly here in this pasuk, it suggests, as I mentioned earlier in this year, that in fact, Dever, the plague of pestilence, could easily have mutated from humans and gone um, and, and become an illness for the people, that there is a threatening aspect of that plague on humans as well, of death on humans as well. And yet God says, I decided not to kill you with Dever so that you will know my power, so that you will tell of my power. In other words, God has decided to lengthen this, the, the plague narrative so that uh, um, more knowledge of God will spread in the world. Um, the words, and you will be extinguished from the earth, are very, very frightening words. For Paro, as we know, the pharaohs spent a great deal of time trying to achieve immortality. And this idea that God could wipe away Paro, this is one that I think uh, resonates very frighteningly for Paro. Uh, we'll just read one more pasuk, and then maybe uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. You are still trampling on my people. And not to send them. Mistolel might either mean trampling or it might mean lording yourself over my people. In any case, I think the meaning is clear. God says, Paro, you are still refusing to do that which I've commanded you to do, and that is to send the people out of Egypt. And therefore, says God, 
ברד כבד מאוד, אשר לא היה חמהו במצרים מן היום היווסדה ועד עתה. Behold, I'm going to rain at this time tomorrow. Uh, very heavy hail that there was never anything like it in Egypt from the day that Egypt was founded until today. We have a lot of elements from previous plagues that we see here. We have the element of tomorrow. We have the phrase kaved me'od, very heavy. And we have this new idea that this plague that is coming upon Egypt is one that Egypt has never experienced certainly to this degree. Again, perhaps the point that's being made here is that hail is something that happens. It's not something that is necessarily clearly a punishment from God. And therefore, God does several things here to show that this is a very deliberate punishment from him. One is that he says, uh, he, he names a time that it's going to come. The other is that he says that this is going to be very heavy, heavier than any plague of hail or any experience of hail that the Egyptians have ever experienced. And so we have this uh, description of a very momentous plague, Pasuk Yutet, Ve'ata, and now, Shelach ha'ez et miklecha, ve'et kol asher lecha basadeh, kol ha'adam ve'habehima, asher yimatze basadeh, ve'lo ya'asef habayta, ve'arad alehem habarad, ve'metu. And now go and order your, your livestock, your cattle, and everything that you have in the field, any human and any animal which will be found in the field and has not been taken into the home and the hail comes down upon it, they will die. This is the first time in the plague narrative that we actually have the possibility of the death of humans. Um, I will say one thing about what we've been saying until now, which is the sense that these plagues are some sort of, uh, seem to be some sort of dramatic ending. I do think that there is an ending here. This is the seventh plague. One of the things that we know in Tanakh is that God's punishments are often described as coming in sevens. There is a sense that this plague caps off the end of God's punishments of Egypt as for how we're going to understand the next three plagues, the ones that appear in the next parasha, that will explain when we get there. But I think that this plague is the, uh, the, the climax of all of God's punishments, the height of the punishments. It's kol magifotai, it strikes at everything. It uses all of the different elements at God's disposal. It penetrates the heart of Paro. It threatens death. And it's something that Egypt has never seen before. And so all of this comes together to tell us that Egypt is now going to experience a very uh, dramatic, cataclysmic punishment. Pasuk kaf ha-yareh et devar Adonai me'avdei paro hinis et avadav et miknehu el habatim va'asher lo sam libo el devar Adonai ve'azov et avadav et miknehu basadeh The one who feared the word of God from the servants of Paro uh, took his, his, his servants and his cattle and uh, rushed them into the houses or fled with them into the houses. And the one who did not pay attention to the word of God, he left his servants and his cattle in the fields. And so what we have here is the sort of a progress report of what's happening in the plague stories. Some of the people already do begin to believe in God's power. Victory seems to have begun. The Egyptians appear divided between those who believe and those who do not, and God distinguishes between them, or this plague distinguishes between them. Here, of course, one thing interesting that we have to note is that the opposite of a Yarei Hashem, the opposite of the one who fears God, is the one who doesn't pay attention 
not the one who doesn't fear God. Not paying attention is the same as not fearing God. Okay, we're going to pick up the pace a little bit and look at how this plague plays itself out, how it's implemented. And God said to Moshe, spread out your hand over the heavens. This is, as we said, a heavenly plague. And let and the barad will come down on all will come onto all of Egypt on the person and on the animal and on the grass of the field in the land of Egypt. And Moshe uh, spread out his staff Moshe spread out his staff. His staff and his hand seem to be sort of uh, intertwined here over the heavens, and God made great thunder and hail, and the fire streamed toward the earth, and God rained hail over the land of Egypt. And there was hail. And fire was flashing inside of the hail. Uh, the, the kind of hail that um, was very heavy, that there was none like it in all of the land of Egypt from the time that she became a nation. And the hail struck in all of the land of Egypt, everything that was in the field, from humans to animals, and all of the grass in the field, the hail struck, and it broke all of the trees in the field. But in the land of Goshen, where B'nai Israel was there, there was no hail. Again, that seems to be very unnatural. Hail itself is natural. This hail seems unnatural for several reasons, one of which is the timing of the hail, another of which is the uh, the strength of the hail. Also, this hail, which seems to have this fire flashing in it, which many of the Midrashim point out are two opposing elements, and also the fact that, that uh, Paro distinguishes between Am Yisrael, who live in the land of Goshen, and the Egyptians, who do receive hail. Vayishlach Paro. And Paro sent and called for Moshe and Aaron, and he said to them, I have sinned this time. God is the tzaddik, God is the righteous one, and I and my people are the evil ones. Plead before God, pray before God, and let these uh, thunders of God and the hail be enough, and I shall send you, and you will not continue to be thwarted. You will not continue to stand. This is the first time that we have Paro uh, sending for Moshe and Aaron with the words Vayishlach Vayikra, and of course at the same time the actual content of his message in which he seems to admit some sort of moral defeat. The word Sadiq suggests that God is correct or that God is righteous here. This uh, kind of admission seems to be moving us towards the end. Let's uh, towards the end of the plague story. Let's look in Pasuk Kafet. Moshe kapai el Adonai. Hakolot yechdalun vehabarad lo yeod leman teida ki ladunai 
Haaretz. Moshe said, when I leave the city, I will spread out my hands to God. The thunder will cease and the hail will be no longer, so that you will know that to God belongs the earth. And you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear before God, right? This seems to almost involve a threat as the story progresses. Certainly in these next few plagues, Moshe gets increasingly harsh with Paro. His tone gets a bit sharper. And here in the next two psukim, which are a little bit difficult psukim, they seem to contain an implied threat that the plague story will go on in any case. Look at the next two psukim. And the flax and the barley were struck because the flax ripens in the spring. I'm sorry, the barley ripens in the spring and the flax is in bud, but the wheat and the buckwheat were not struck, because they blossom late. And here again, I think there's an implied threat. The hail does, in fact, wreak havoc with the prosperity of Egypt, with their ability to have enough food for the next year, and yet there, is still, there are still crops that have not yet bloomed, and so we haven't really plunged them into um, into a famine as of yet. We'll see what happens uh, in the next plague, where, of course, the Arbe, the locusts, are going to come and finish off the possibility of food for the next season. And Moshe left Paro, and he left the city. And he spread out his hands to God, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer came pouring down onto the ground. And Paro saw that the rain and the and the hail had ceased, and the thunder, and he continued to sin, and he hardened his heart. He and his servants, and Paro strengthened his heart, and he did not send out the children of Israel, just as God had spoken uh, and said to Moshe. Uh, note the double language of Paro hardening his heart. We have also the word, and also the word, he hardened his heart and he strengthened his heart. Paro has to work extra hard to harden his heart here. But Yosef Lachto. Here he is, as the Rashbam says, bemazed. He is a deliberate sinner. He's consciously going against God, who he knows to be more powerful than he, who he knows to be uh, more uh, righteous than he. Thus concludes Parashat Vaera. In our next, uh, in our in our next class, we will be speaking about Parashat Bo, and we'll begin to turn our attention to the final plagues which do not seem to be part of the plagues that are deliberately designed or that are particularly designed to punish the Egyptians, but instead we'll talk about what their purpose is at the beginning of our next parsha.